And in the first four weeks, we've heard that living a blameless life begins with a song. It begins with a song. So we were all surprised by that. So it begins with singing to God how great he is and thanking him for all he's done wherever we are at in life. And that's what we've done this morning, right? Is that we've given God a great song from, from ourselves. And that's, it's a great thing to do. And it sets you up the right way. Um, wherever we're at in life, opening our mouths and singing out to him, it points us back in the right direction like a compass finding north. Singing out a song to God points you in the right direction in life. It's guaranteed. Hopefully you've been practicing your singing at home, um, in the car, in the shower, um, anywhere you get a chance to be on your own. If you don't live with any people who appreciate your singing, if you live on your own, you can sing what you like, um, although your neighbors might not appreciate it. Um, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they appreciate your singing. So we've heard that living a blameless life doesn't mean being perfect, but it does mean having a heart that is open and honest with God and honest with people, okay? And is careful to value the presence of God in our homes and in our hearts. It means making sure we only allow good things in through our eyes. We heard that if we put negative things into our lives, we get negative things produced out of our lives. And being really passionate was the last thing that we've heard about which people and which influences we allow to have an impact on our lives. That was last week, wasn't it? So lots of these things um, may seem sort of on their own small things, or maybe you think they're unimportant details. But this passage, the psalm that we've read, has told us that what they do is turn us slightly off the path of walking with Jesus, okay? So David used this expression, turning aside. So it just moves us slightly away from the path of walking with God. Only a little bit at first, but eventually it will take us far away from God's very best for our lives. And no one wants to be far away from God's best for their lives, right? Whether you know it or not. So this week we're going to look at something else that has such a huge effect on our life. And that is our words. So we're going to read Psalm 101 verse 5. And it says this. Whoever slanders their neighbor, I'm terribly sorry about the American spelling of neighbor, but whoever slanders their neighbor in secret, I will put to silence. Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, I will not tolerate. Whoever slanders their neighbor in secret, I will put to silence. Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, I will not tolerate. And we'll be focusing on the first part of that verse really today. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we want to thank you that you're here with us now. Your presence is here, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe. Your hands set the stars in space, but you're here in this place with us now. And you're here because you want to meet with us. Such an amazing thing. Why would you want to meet with us, God? And yet you do. You're burning with love for people. That's, that's the crown of all your creation is your people, your children. And Lord, we're so grateful that you made us the pinnacle, the best thing in all of creation. When you looked at us, you saw that the world was very good because of people. And it's your love for people that keeps on pursuing us all the days of our lives. And we're so grateful, God, that you have pursued us and that you have brought us to a relationship with you. And God, this morning, I pray, if there are any here who have not met with you, that you would show us how much your love for us will change us and transform us and give us a great life. We pray that the Bible would change us forever as we read it this morning. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, a few years after Antonia and I got married, and um, before we had children, uh, we were out one Saturday morning in town. I think that's the relevance of the before we had children. We were out on one Saturday morning in town. We were in a clothes shop somewhere over there. So like every excellent husband, I'd leapt out of bed early and got ready in a rush because I was really excited at the thought of taking my wife shopping. Um, and so, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't. But I got up at a normal time. And, and there I was outside the ladies' changing rooms um, trying to find somewhere comfortable to rest because of no seats. Um, and there were three or four of the joyful-looking men who were also trying to rest somewhere with me while they waited for their um, significant others. Um, and as each woman appeared at the door of the changing rooms, the relevant man would jump up and head over to see her. Um, and he would be concentrating extremely carefully on saying something that was both thoughtful but also sensible. Um, <laughs> this was wonderful to watch. Um, and now, so obviously for the newly married men or the about to be married men or that would like to be married men, you obviously, you, you need to know that you can't just say, oh, I, does it look good? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> That's not good enough. Um, also not good enough is, does it look good? Yes, I like it if you like it. I like it if you like it. Also not good enough. You need to come up with something thoughtful and sensible and honest, of course, as well. I'm not suggesting that you make it up. So when my turn came, I headed over and gave my opinion on the outfit that Antonia was wearing. So I said, so I did like the trousers. So I said, hmm, I like the trousers, actually. So, and that was good. Um, and then Antonio nodded in agreement. It's going well. It's going really well. Okay. And then I said, um, uh, so, and also, to, you know, you need to can't just look as if you're saying everything's good. So I said, I'm really not sure about that top. I'm really not sure about it. Then there was a pause. And then um, Antonio said, Andy, this is my top. <laughs> And I've been wearing it all morning. <laughs> so, of course, after that, I said, well, I think we should just buy everything that you've chosen this morning and go straight to the till, and then we'll go somewhere else and buy all those things too. Um, no, so Antonio was very forgiving and merciful to me, even though I didn't deserve it. But the point of this story, I think, is clear, which is that our words and our mouths can so easily get us into trouble. Um, so, the Jewish teachers of many years ago believed that we should all have two mouths, um, one which would always be speaking out the word of God, and then the other mouth would just do everything else that we need a mouth for. Now, um, you can see that they had a good heart in that. They wanted to say that God's word was like, really precious and the most important thing, but you can imagine if one mouth can get you into that sort of trouble, that a second mouth surely is a bad idea. So, um, David, in this passage, has realized that to live a blameless life, he must be in control of how he speaks. And he particularly uses the example of talking badly about other people. So he uses the word slander. We might use the word gossip, mightn't we? So there's a really important thing that we need to understand first um, and as we start looking at this, and it's this, that our mouths and our words have a great effect over our lives. Okay, And that's not just a bad effect like David is talking about here, but they are also, our words, are also powerful and effective to change our lives for good. Did you know that? Indifferent. Yeah. 
Yes. So our mouths and our words are powerful to change our lives for good. So Proverbs 18 verse 21 tells us that the tongue has in it the power of life and death. The tongue has the power of life and death. That's an incredible truth. Within our tongues, within your tongue, you hold the power of life and death into your own life and into the lives of others. So we want to be, with our mouths, speaking out words of faith, of vision, of, that build people up, that are positive and that are encouraging, right? Because that releases life into our lives and the lives of others around us. And we're actually able to make our own situation and the situations of people that we speak into more filled with life and hope than they were before we opened our mouths. Isn't that an incredible truth? You can change your situation by speaking out the truth that God puts on your heart. And you can do that for others as well. It's a really powerful thing. And the opposite is, always also, tr- is also true. And that's what David's talked about here. So our tongues can discourage, they can break down, they can destroy ourselves, and they can destroy others. And I'm sure you've had this experience in your life, especially um, you may know someone perhaps in the workplace or elsewhere where you think, as soon as they come, you think, oh, no, I know that I'm going to leave discouraged now because this person will sit down and tell you about all the different things that are wrong with their lives and et cetera, et cetera. And that's not, that doesn't mean that they don't have all those things wrong with their lives and whatever. But sometimes just the feeling, just you come out of it and you feel like, oh, I feel really sort of pulled down. And that's because the, our words are powerful and other people's words into our lives are also powerful. So James chapter 3, which is going to come up on the screen now, tells us that our tongues or our words, what we speak, set the course or the directions of our lives. Okay? So this is the first thing to remember, that our tongues actually set the direction that our life is going in. We could say, what we speak out is where we will end up going. What we speak out is where we'll end up going. So if our mouths and our words are so important, we must learn how to control them with God's help and to use them for good because then we'll be able to steer our lives well. So let's read this passage in James 3, verses 2 to 6. We all stumble in many ways, says James. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. So that, that must have been a cheery sermon that he gave that in, but he, he's warning. James, is a, he's a no-nonsense speaker, okay? So he never really kind of couches out what he says in something that sounds better. He's really clear because he wants people to avoid danger. That's the kind of message in James. He's very clear about all the things he's helping people with. Um, And it's such a great picture, you know, for us to be helped by. A huge ship, you know, moving powerful and fast in a particular direction, but just controlled by such a tiny, unseen little thing at the back, you know, that's not impressive at all. 
but has incredible control over where that ship goes, you know? It's so important. The whole momentum of the ship is changed just by that tiny thing. And so it is with our words. You know, if we want to do all these things that we've been learning about in the last four weeks, to live a blameless life, so that, you know, our life is like the ship moving in this direction, then we must be able to steer our lives effectively, mustn't we? Otherwise, whatever we put into them, we'll just end up going off course if we can't control the rudder, the thing that controls where we're going, okay? So I visited a friend in Sheffield quite a few years ago, um, and I was going, after I visited him, I was going to go on to Liverpool from there on the train, but the friend that I visited, he lived with a guy who was from Liverpool, who was from near Liverpool, and he said he'd give me a lift home, which was really kind of him, and um, I agreed, as it sounded like it'd be a bit quicker because the train that goes there between there is really slow, um, and a bit more sociable, you know, have a bit of a chat on the way. Um, so we got into his car, um, and this was my first um, signal that this may have been a mistake. So we got into his car, and it was like a really souped-up boy racer car. I can't remember what it was. It might have been like a, it was like a Peugeot 306, you know, that kind of um, small but extremely fast um, souped-up boy racer car. And so I was already feeling unnerved and just thinking that the train where I could have just read my book would have been much, much better. But we got in, and um, he, uh, after he got in, he had these, like, bucket seats. So, you know, like racing car seats where you kind of get in and you're pointing upwards like you're going to be launched into the sky. And you can't really get out of them again either, either even if you need to get out. And I'm sure many people had tried to get out of his car too. Um, so he, we were in these bucket seats. And then after he got in, he closed the door, and um, I was scrabbling around for my seatbelt, and he, he pushed, you know, with the, the lever at the bottom of the chair, he pushed his chair all the way back to the, to the back of the thing, you know, which you only do when you're looking for, like, a pound or something that you dropped <laughs> under there for the car park. So I thought, well, because he was shorter than me, he wasn't a very tall guy. Um, and then he pushed his chair all the way back. He didn't put his seatbelt on, he started up the car, and then he just drove us off, and his arms were so far away, those hands were so far away from his body that he must have been actually being stretched to reach the wheel. And this was the position that he held as he drove us at an insanely huge speed all the way back from Sheffield to Liverpool, um, just with arms, so elbows locked, really gripping the wheels like this. And as he was gripping the wheel like this, I was gripping the seat like this. Because <laughs> I was so frightened, I was really frightened. Um, and uh, he go, this road goes through the Pennines, and it's a famous road, and there's a big steep drop over one side, and they close it when it gets snowy because it's so lethal. And he drove us all the way there like that, and he would turn and talk at me. It was quite frightening. Anyway, um, I held the sides of the seat most of the way, and I remember that when I got out, my palms were so wet because I was so scared that he was going to take us you know, off the end of the cliff because I thought, he's not in control of this vehicle. Like... He might have been a really good driver. I think he'd done some sort of, you know, advanced driving qualification, which is just an excuse to drive fast on racetracks, I think. And he, um, but he had, he was not in control, and he could easily have brought the whole thing into disaster, regardless of what sort of cool car it was. He couldn't safely steer it. And that is what it's like if we cannot control the way that we speak. It is just the edge of disaster for us, you know. This is what James is saying. Eventually, it will take us way off the path that we're meant to be on with God. And equally, if we will speak out words of life into our own lives and build up and speak faith and the Bible into our situation and into the lives of others, 
we will take our lives along a better course and we'll point ourselves towards a better future. And you can also help others to do that as you learn to control and as I learn to control this steer of where our life is going. Okay, so who would like to see a change of direction in any part of their life in some way? Yeah, absolutely. That, that must be true for all of us. Well, you know, the, this is a great key. You know, when we start to speak out what the Bible says about our situation and speak positively and in faith about that need or that job or that person, according to what the Bible tells us, it will change that situation just by your words. They will steer you the right way. Isn't that an amazing... It's such a simple thing to do, isn't it? It's very simple to do, and yet it's so powerful. So um, it might seem strange to us that the tongue or that our words would have such power over our lives, you know, because actually, you know, what we do is very important and what we think is very important and what we believe in our hearts is very important, you know, and they're, they're different maybe, you know, we might think to what we say. So, you know, how come this is so significant that um, it makes such a big difference to our lives? And the reason for this is um, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34 is this. The reason that the tongue is so powerful is that it is, it's a weather vane for our hearts, Okay. So I couldn't think of a better word than weather vane. Um, so you know what a weather vane is. It sits at the top of a building, and as the wind blows, it, it moves and it points towards where the wind is blowing. Because you can't see the wind, so you need something that shows you what's happening in there. And so Jesus says in this incredible statement of truth that out of the overflow of our hearts, our mouth is speaking. So the words that come from our mouths they're a reflection. They tell us what is happening in our hearts. <clears throat> and it's from our hearts that our attitudes and our faith and all those other things, our actions, all those things come from our hearts, don't they? But if you want, and you know, nobody really can tell us, you know, except for God and maybe ourselves, and sometimes even not ourselves that much, it's hard to know what is happening in your heart. But Jesus has given us the one key thing that you can do. It's practical to work out what your heart is like. And that's this. Look at how you speak. Look at your words, and they will tell you, Jesus says, what is bubbling up inside your heart. Easy, free tip from Jesus. How to know what your heart is like. Look at your words, okay? So I want us to kind of think back over our conversations over the last week or so. You know, are are there any conversations, if you're you're anything like me, there probably are. Are there any conversations that just make you go, "Mm, you know, and you cringe and you think, oh, I can't believe I had that conversation. Uh, or are there any where you think, you know, the words came out and you think, oh, I just wish I could catch those words before, you know, after they've come out. Um, and then a couple of other kind of uh, sort of do you identify with this type questions, but, you know, do you ever find that people seem easily offended by you? Do you find that, you know, other people just seem to be so easily offended? Or um, are you often in trouble because of something that you said? Um, or do you tend to be the person that talks the most constantly in a conversation or in a group of people? Okay, these are, these are things to kind of make us just think about it. So talking the most in a group of people doesn't mean necessarily that what you're saying is wrong, yeah? 
And we don't want to say that like giftings and connecting with people, being a good connector and a good relationship person is not a bad thing. On the contrary, it's a really good thing, isn't it? But I think, you know, if you're in a Formula One car and uh, you go off course, it's much worse, isn't it, than if you're driving the, some milk float at sort of 20 miles an hour, okay? So if you don't say much in conversations, I'm not comparing you to the milk float, and I'm not saying that you're a Formula One car just because you talk all the time and no one can stop you from talking. But I, well, I sort of am, really. So it, it doesn't, it's not negative, is it, to talk a lot, but it does mean you know, we must be sure that we're able to control what comes out of our mouths because of this power that we've heard about. Um, so um, these are things, you know, these, these questions that, you know, just if you answered yes to them, that doesn't mean, you know, necessarily that there's a massive issue. But it is a way of saying, not just what's my, what's my speech like, but what is my, what is my heart condition? And if we can look back over the last week at our conversations and think about them, they will help us to understand, you know, where is my heart at with God? And sometimes you look back and you see a conversation and you suddenly realize, hey, I realize actually that that's, you know, you think, you may sort of come up with excuses, I do this. So you think, oh, well, you know, I didn't actually mean that, and I just said it by accident, and I meant something else or whatever. But if you're honestly, you know, open with God, and you ask God to speak to you, we often we'll find that those words that just slip out and you think, well, it was just a mistake, wasn't actually what I mean. Actually, when you look at your heart condition that God's looking at, you can see that it's real. That's actually you, or it's actually me, you know? So um, this is so, it's so... It's such a great thing to be able to do, you know, that Jesus has given us a way of knowing how our hearts are. And so our, our, our conversation and our words, they're, they're important because they steer our lives, and they're important because they tell us what our hearts are like. And actually, you know, they tell other people what our hearts are like too. So at the beginning of the passage that Jesus is talking about here, um, where he's talking to a group of people, he says to them, don't you know what a tree is like because of its fruit? So he makes this kind of, you know, it's a joke almost, you know, where, by what you can see on the outside or what you can pick up, it's telling you about the inside of that thing. So he's saying to these guys, hey, you know, other people can see how you are inside by the words that are coming out of your mouth. You're revealing something about what you really believe. And so, you know, we, sometimes, you know, uh, you may have said this or you may know people who've said this, you know, oh, I'm just a negative person or I just, you know, I worry, I'm a worrier and that this kind of, these words come out, but they're actually, they're telling you something about your heart and they're telling others something about your heart too. And so one of my, my, one of my challenges for, for this, actually, we're going to just, I'm going to give you this challenge now would be to ask someone that you trust, hey, what, what is my speech really like? You know, I, ha- I haven't asked um, anyone this for ages, but you know, when, when, I, when I'm in conversation, when I talk, when a group of people are here and I'm speaking, what, it, what is it like when I speak? You know, is there something that always comes across a particular way? Is there something that I always say, you know, which you think, oh, that always kind of puts people off, or that it looks like it hurts people, or you didn't really think about what you said? Can I encourage you, you know, ask, ask someone, what is my speech like? Because actually Jesus says it's telling you about your heart and it's helpful for you. So, you know, if you've got a cell leader, ask your cell leader, what's my, what's my conversation like? What is it telling you about me? Um, that's the advice of Jesus, yeah? So it's telling us about our hearts. Okay. So, um, so we taught that our, our words, they're steering our lives. Even if we don't acknowledge it, we might not know that they're steering our lives, but they are. 
And as they're coming out, blah, 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 it's coming out, it's coming out. It's changing the course of your life. Even if you think it's meaningless chatter, it's not. It's a rudder. It's moving you. Okay, so that's the first thing we're remembering. The second thing we're remembering is it's telling us about what we're like inside. Even if you kind of think, oh, no, I'm this sort of person, but this just comes out when I talk. No, the Bible says it's telling you what you're like inside. And then finally, um, we're going to look at this specific thing that David is actually talking about. So he's talking about speaking negatively about others. So he, taught, he calls it slander, and we might kind of think about that as, well, there's, we might think about that as gossip, I guess, you know, how we use our tongues to bless or to not bless other people. And as long as we sort of control what we can say in front of people, the things we've been thinking about already, why does, why does it matter what we say about people if they're not there? Why does it matter what we say about them? So if we look at the end of James's passage about this, it will tell us. So this is to carry on directly from where we just read. So James says, All kinds of animals, birds and reptiles, creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. The tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So James is just such a good teacher you know he identifies things in people really clearly and he says hey you know you're all in church like everyone's in church you're all praising God and then you come out and you just talk about your brother or your sister that you've just been in church with negatively so he just he doesn't pull any punches he tells it like it is and then he says you know why it's so dangerous to do that he says you know when when you do that actually um, you know a, a spring of fresh water it can't be salty and it's one or the other. There's a, um, I, I'm in doing a job called bone marrow transplant at the moment um, in hematology, and it's a, condition, it's a specialty where you treat a, ca- a cancer, usually a blood cancer, by you give someone loads and loads of chemo usually to get them into remission, and then you do something where you give them a new immune system, so you kind of give them some special drugs, and you wipe out all their old bone marrow and their old immune system. And then from a donor who's, been on, uh, who's volunteered to do this, you take some of that donor's bone marrow and their immune system, and you put it in to the person with the disease. And what happens is the, the bone marrow regrows in that person, and the person has a new immune system. It's amazing science. And this new immune system recognizes all those cancer cells that are left that we just can't get rid of. And we know that because... Lots of hematological cancers, they come back really easy. You just can't, don't seem to be able to get rid of them in, in some forms. And so this bone marrow, it goes in and it recognizes all those cells, even the tiny ones that you can't get at, and it kills them all off. And it's an amazing, amazing science, and it's a privilege to do it. But, you know, they, they have this test, and it's the most important test that you do in this job. Okay? It's called chimerism. So what it means is that they check regularly... Um, your blood, so they can check, they, we check people's blood and we check their bone marrow too, and we can measure what proportion of them is the donor, so it belongs to the new person, the one that we want in there, the transplant that's going to kill off all the cancer and everything, and what proportion of them is the old them, okay? So we take this blood sample and then it comes back with a percentage, it tells us, you know, it's 95% donor, 
which means that it's 5% from the patient, okay? So there's still something left in there. And, you know, with all the serious diseases that we treat, um, we want to get them to 100%. It's got to be at 100%, okay? And you monitor these people for a while, and sometimes, out of the blue, you get this sudden result, you know, 99.2 or 99.5, you know? And you think, wow, what difference does that make? You know, it's, it's close to 100 but it, everyone goes quiet, and you know then that the disease is coming back, okay? Any tiny little bit of that old person that's left is filled with that cancer. It's coming back, and you can't have that mix in there. It must be all from the donor, okay? It must be all the new stuff, the great stuff, the stuff that's going to get rid of the problem that's there. And as soon as something creeps back in, we know that if we check it again in three or four weeks, that bit will be bigger, and then it'll be bigger, and then it'll be bigger, and then it'll take over. And if you lose control of it, it's difficult to get control of it again. So James is saying the reason it's so important, you know, whether you speak about your brother or sister like that, is because it's a sign that in the well inside you, who you really are, it's not just, you know, who God's made you to be. The old person, you know, the person that Jesus saved us from, is back and it's pushing to get more and more control of our lives. And that's what we're speaking out of if we speak negatively and if we gossip about people. It's not God that's doing that. It's not the new creation that God's put in us. It's the old thing that's back. And we must, must deal with it. James says, you can't have this spring that's bringing forth two types of water. It just doesn't work. You're either one or the other. So he sees it as soon as that speech is there. It's a sign that something needs dealing with. And so this is, why, um, this is why it's so vital that we build other people up, not only when they're there, but when they're not there as well, because it's a sign of what's happening inside of us. So gossip is mentioned four times in the New Testament, just four, okay? But each time it's mentioned, it's mentioned in a long list of symptoms of churches or people that have really missed the mark totally and gone far away from God, okay? It's, it's listed along with things like sound much more serious, yeah? So envy, murder, anger, jealousy, all things which you'd say were kind of definitely bad things to have in your life, okay? No envy, no murder. But actually, in those lists, the four places that gossip is listed in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament, it's along with those things. Isn't that amazing? So it's a symptom. It's on its own. It may not mean that much to us, but it's a symptom of something going on inside us, okay? And it tells us something about what's happening. And so that's why Jesus, and that's why James makes, and that's why David, you know, make this, you know, radical step that I will not allow myself to speak negatively about someone else, and I will not sit in a conversation where that happens. So um, in the lab... (coughs) Uh, it was a few months ago now. This conversation came up. We were all sitting on our microscopes. That's what we do in the lab. And we were sitting on our microscopes. And so, you know, it's boring sometimes looking at slides. Um, and so some, uh, one of the guys started off a conversation about someone. And it came around to something about someone who um, basically there were lots of restructuring going on in, in the workplace. And people were stressed because they thought they might lose their jobs. And there was a particular person that... Um, a lot of people didn't like, and so it became clear that lots of people thought that this person was really responsible for all that was going on. 
Um, and the conversation sort of grew um, as people were talking about it. And I was there, but I didn't really know this person very well. But I was, you know, this conversation sort of it grew and got bigger and bigger and bigger until it kind of, I could feel it kind of overtaking me. It was like a bubble in the room. And I knew that actually, uh, you know, I, I would have to go or I'd have to do something about it. And so I said, you know, I said, but actually, we don't actually know if this is true, do you? And the guy said, oh, no, you know, that's true. I don't, I don't know if it's true. And then it just went a bit quiet, and I just felt a bit awkward then. And, like, you know, I just went back to my little microscope cells. But I, I you know, and you don't want to be someone who, you know, no one can talk to. And I hope I'm not that person in the workplace. But I knew that there had to be some sort of pushing back of that atmosphere where we were. And, you know, sometimes it does necessitate, uh, you know, there's nothing we can do other than leave. But actually, a more kind of Jesus way of doing things is somehow to push the balance back. So you're not trying to push people away. We are trying to push the atmosphere and the negativity of, that, of those words away. And we've heard, you know, in previous weeks that actually there's no, Steve called it the, the no man's land or the demilitarized zone. There's no neutral with God. We're either over against him or we're with him. And we have to choose. And that's true with these things in our lives. You know, we must choose to be where God is going. And in that situation, you know, even though it was awkward afterwards, I knew it was the right thing to do. I knew it was the right thing to do. And actually, do you know, it didn't just bless me, but it blessed all those people who were in that conversation because they didn't say anything else anymore, and it was not good for their lives to do that. It wasn't going to help them at all. So, um, yeah, so it matters to God. It matters to God how we use our mouths. And it matters to God how we talk about other people. Whether we, you know, I think, you know, I don't think anyone's saying that we, sh- we can't have concern for people and we can't love people and we can't know about their lives. That's not what Jesus is saying. He was intimately involved in lots of people's lives and he knew about them. And he had conversations. And if you have a family, you have to have these sorts of conversations. But I think, actually, you know, don't you, when the conversation is not that, and when it's stepped out into something else, when it's become, oh, I'm a bit worried about so-and-so because, can I just tell you these things, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then it carries on, doesn't it, into something that wasn't even how it began. And so this is what James is warning us about, you know. You need to, we need to stop. There's a point where it needs to stop. And we have to trust in God for that. We can't, no one can give you a list of things that you should or shouldn't engage with in terms of our words. But we need to listen to the Lord inside of us. You know, he is the one who will help us to know this isn't building up and encouraging and speaking life into this situation. You know, this is just going to destroy this person. And even if they're not there, you know, when I see them next, I will know that other people said things about them and I chose not to say anything about them. And that's the challenge, isn't it, that God is giving us, is can you bring it back in the other direction so that you know that even though those people were speaking that way, you defended that person. And they may not deserve defending, and that's not the issue that Jesus is giving us. He's saying, you know, we need to be careful how we speak and that we don't join in with this sort of talk. So the reason for that is that he wants us to live lives where our mouths are bring life into situations. If you want to practice that well, then we need to be this spring that's bringing forth fresh water, right? So every time 
that salty water comes out, that kind of speaking about someone else negatively and doing them down. It's taken away from what we could be giving to the world, what we could be giving to our families, what we could be giving to our workplaces, what we could be giving to society in our words, which is so important. So um, right at the end, um, I want to give us uh, this like practical tip. And the little summary of this talk um, that we were given for this week, they've all had a one-word summary, okay? And this week's tip was, shh, okay? That was, the, that was the title of this week's talk, okay? So I've given us some helpful things to think about. Um, and I'd really encourage you to think about doing this in your conversation this week. And the first one is, this is the most important one, okay? Stop. So next time you're in a conversation and you just, you, you know, you're about to contribute something to it, you know, just for a second, because this, this is all the Lord needs in our lives. He just needs a second to be able to help us to not make mistakes. And that's not only true in our speech, it's true in every part of life. Just that stop and that pause gives God the Holy Spirit in us, the chance to stop us from doing something that we didn't want to do, right? So stop before you say something, just before. And for some of us, and I'm not looking at anyone in particular, for some of us it is very difficult to stop talking, and we will just have to learn the skill of doing that, okay? Before your mouth begins to open, just do that little stop, okay? So we're going to stop. And I want us to think about, do I have to say this? Is it necessary to say this? It might be true, and it might be honest, but does it need saying in this conversation? And you know, often by the time you've finished asking yourself that question, you've realized that, in fact, it wasn't a necessary thing to say at all, and it was just you chipping in your little tuppence worth of something you'd heard as well about this thing. Okay? So do I have to do it? Is it honest? So if you're a talker, I'm going to divide us all into talkers and non-talkers, um, if that's okay. But if you're a talker, a bit like me, then sometimes... Um, you just talk and talk and talk and talk, and then sometimes you just think, gosh, I don't even think that was... That was half true, but I just kind of carried on going. My mouth just took over before I'd even thought about it. And anyone who's a talker here will know what I'm talking about, and the other people who are much more sensible thinking people are thinking, this is bonkers. But this is true, okay? If you're a talker, you need to stop and think, is this honest? And then finally, will it help? So is it uplifting? Whatever you're going to say, when the other people leave that conversation, are they going to feel better than when you contributed or when I contributed my little bit that I was just about to say, you know, stop and think, is this making this better? Is this helping this person? Is this going to encourage, you know, this person, whoever it is that people are talking about, or is it not? So that's the mnemonic to remember, okay, so it's shh, so you want to stop, you want to think, do I have to do this? Is it necessary? Is it honest, what I'm going to say, and truthful? And finally, is it an uplifting and upbuilding, encouraging thing? Is it going to help people? Is it going to help me when I say it? Or is it going to drag people down? And if we can stop and do that, it will really change our lives, you know? It's, it's the ability to control that ship really well. And that's what we want from our lives, isn't it? So I'm going to pray for us. Um, let's stand. Father, we want to um, just we want to say thank you for 
I want to say thank you for your presence here. I want to say thank you the Holy Spirit is here. Your, your character, your very essence, the Holy Spirit is here in this room with us. And we thank you that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, each one of us. He is speaking these words that we've read, the words of the Bible. He is speaking them into our lives. He is the breath that speaks the word, the Bible, into our lives. And Lord, we want to say that we want to live our lives, steering our lives really well for Jesus. We want to be in control of that rudder, that tiny unseen thing at the back of the ship that moves a huge, huge ship filled with momentum. God, we don't want to, Lord, steer our lives off course because we can't keep hold of what it is that we're saying. And Lord, we know that the reason you want us to be able to control our speaking and our words is because you have given us the power of life in our tongues. That proverb says the power of life and death. But in that, Lord, we know that our tongues have the potential, our words have the potential to change our lives and the lives of our families and the lives of our workplace and the lives of our friends. Lord, we know that you have given us life in our tongues to be able to do that. And that's what we want to do. Lord, we want to be that spring that is only fresh water coming up out of our hearts, touching this nation, touching this city, touching our workplace, touching where we go to school or where we go during the day, touching our family homes. Lord, we want our words to be fresh water and life in these places. And we don't want to bring out anything that's just tasteless or horrible to taste, Lord God. We want to be people who bring out something that tastes really good and that refreshes and speaks life and brings hope and encouragement to people. And God, I want to pray that where we have struggled to keep control of our tongue, whether that's losing our temper or whether it's just that we talk and talk and talk and then eventually at the end of it we think, oh, I've got into trouble again. Or whether it's that, you know, we just feel like I end up offending people so much because of how I speak. God, I want to pray that your Holy Spirit now would touch our heart and would help us to change. God, we want to change and live this life for you, the narrow path with you, the great life that you have for us. And we pray your Holy Spirit would help us to do that now. I'm just going to um, leave a second and just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us and to just point to that part of our lives that he wants to make a difference in. Okay, I want to... Um, I want to pray for us now, um, but let's, if you want to respond to this word, if you would like to see the course and direction of your life change by the ability to speak words of life, I want to pray uh, for you now, and I want to just ask you, let's just lift our, if you want to respond to this, let's just lift our hands into the air before God. Let's lift our hands and say, God, we need your help to control our words and our speech. God, we need your help to speak well. Lord, I want to pray for each of us, Lord, who've lifted our hands to you. God, as you've spoken in that quietness, as you've spoken about where we can change our lives and where we know that we know that we must be different, Lord, I want to pray that you would fill us with your power 
to make a difference in our lives. God, I want to pray that we would recognize, Lord Jesus, that we, um, Lord, that our mouths are telling us something about our hearts and what the condition of our heart is like. And Lord, I pray that for those of us, Lord, who responded and we can see that our mouths are telling us something about us that that we don't want to see or that is not good. God, if we think, ah, you know, I can see that my speech is telling me something about my heart that needs healing. God, I want to pray that you would bring that healing. Lord, I want to pray that you would heal hearts, Lord, hearts that are insecure and so want to speak negatively about others to make ourselves feel better, Lord, where there's gossip, Lord God, in our lives because actually, not because we don't like people, but because inside we are insecure and we want to make ourselves feel better by making others smaller. God, I pray that you would heal our hearts. Lord, where our speech is revealing something about ourselves that actually we can just see, wow, God, I know that my heart needs healing if that's what my speech is like. Father, I want to pray that you would touch us right now by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I want to pray that this week, Lord, you would help us to be practical and responding people. And actually, if we feel like, hey, I I need something to change in this area, that we would go to someone that we trust and we would honestly say, what is my speech like, what does is, what is the way I speak tell you about what I'm like? And the Father, I want to pray that we would see real change in our life and real insight into our lives as we hear that truth into our lives. God, we trust in you. We believe that you're going to do a great work in us through this word. We believe your Holy Spirit is going to continue to speak it to us this week. And we pray, Father, that we wouldn't be like people who go out the same as they came in, but that we would choose, Lord God, to take on what you're saying and to change in Jesus' name. Amen.